Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome back to CHGO Bears After Dark, as we do every Monday night, presented by DraftKings. Make sure you use the code CHGO when you sign up. What's up, what's up, everybody? I'm Greg Braggs Jr. And alongside me, as always, on Monday nights is our guy, Corey Wooten. Uh, big night of sports. You got the Bulls and the Blackhawks. You got Monday Night Football. You got the World Series. So we appreciate you guys hanging out with us here while we talk some Bears. Corey, we haven't been able to talk to you here for a couple weeks now. Uh, Tyson Bajan, uh got a win last week. And then this week, it seemed to come back to the fray a little bit. I want to get to the defense, but obviously wanted to get your overall thoughts on how things have kind of shook out here these last two weeks with the rookie division two undrafted free agent quarterback the Bears have had here. And looks like they'll have for another week going forward. Yeah, I mean, in, in the first game uh, against the Raiders, he looked pretty good, right? Luke Getzey had a good game plan, really rely on the run game, take the pressure off him, work the play action, let's get some short and intermediate throws. And then this week, rather, started off pretty decent, you know, with the game plan. And then all of a sudden kind of got away from the running game. I think they thought the game was a little too out of hand, which I, I didn't think it was. And they started to rely on that passing game and – you know, Bajit made a couple errant throws. Um, still looked pretty comfortable in the pocket for the most part, but I think that comes down to coaching. Like, Luke Getze completely abandoned the run at one point, and I'm like, that's what the Bears do really well. Yep. So he kind of got away from that. 30, and, uh, 30, 37 throws for Tyson Bajit last night. Yep, and only 25 rushes when when the, the uh, week before, I think it was the other way around, right? Leaning, leaning heavily towards the run. And, and how and hard that, is that, you know, for – you know, a coach to stay disciplined with the run when you know that's your bread and butter. Cole Cole Komet said to Nick Moriano after the game that he thinks that that's their identity and they didn't have the same physicality they had a week ago against the Raiders. But the difference is against the Raiders, they were playing with a lead, whereas in this game, you're playing from behind. How hard is that for a team and a coaching staff to stick with the run when you feel like you have to keep up? You see that a lot in the NFL and college football. When teams get up by 14 points, maybe 17 points, all of a sudden there's a shift. And I understand when when it's in the fourth quarter, you, you gotta you gotta score some points, you gotta get things going. But up until the third quarter, I thought there was opportunities to still get the run game going, have a drive, potentially get a touchdown in there. But I just thought they put too much pressure on Tyson Bajan, right? And I and I think you know. He still is cool, calm, and collective in the pocket, but you know, a couple errant throws here or there. I think there was just too much pressure put on them, and they need to rely on the run game. So week in and week out, you see it 
once there's a little bit of lead, coaches say, oh, no, I may even still be the first half. I got to pass the ball a little bit more. Right. That's kind of what you saw with Luke Getze. Stick with the game plan, right? Keep chipping away. Get some defensive stops, which they were able to a few times. Stick with that game plan. All of a sudden, that could get you back in the game. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, to me, so that's that's what I wanted to talk to you about tonight. You know, Adam Hogue's busting my balls on the afternoon show <laughs> and last night, too, that, you know, like me and all the other Bears fans were too hyper-focused on the quarterback. And there's more problems at stake here in Chicago than just the quarterback situation. So I was like, all right, Hogue, I see your complaint, even though you're just as much of the problem with talking about quarterbacks <laughs> in the city as I am, but I'll raise you a defense focused show. We got mm -hmm. a defensive lineman here every Monday night. Let's take advantage of your knowledge about what this defense is doing and what they could be doing better. We've talked a lot here this season about how, they're not getting to the quarterback enough. I think the pass rush has been well-documented. I mean, they're, I think they're averaging like 1.3 sacks per game, which was the lowest in the NFL. And then they, they, they uh, registered a goose egg with sacks last night. And when you're playing a quarterback, the caliber of Justin Herbert, he's going to pick you apart. If you can't get him off his spot and you can't get to the quarterback, Dominique Robinson inactive Yannick Ngakwe, a guy you brought in. What's he been doing? You know, Demarcus Walker, another guy you brought in from Tennessee, a veteran. What's he been doing? Justin Jones, who had a really good year by, you know, by all standards, you know, against a, a, a bad team thought he had a solid year last year. What's he done this year? We can focus on the rookies if we want mm -hmm. me. I want to start with the veterans and why we're not getting enough production from yeah. players that should be producing. So, so I think Andrew Billings is a guy that sticks out to me, right? In the run game, he's done exactly what we need him to do, right? His role, he's been able to accomplish that all year. He's been very dominant in the in the run game. Um, that was evident last night. Um, Justin Jones, I thought, had a pretty good run, uh, run defensive performance over there. He had two tackles for loss, had some penetration. But the glaring need, and this is something that's been evident the past two years, Braggs, is the lack of pass rush. You know, Justin Herbert, you talked about it. He's a guy that will carve you up if you don't get pressure. The only times there were pressure was when TJ Edwards came on the blitz. That was the only time he was pressured all game. He was pretty comfortable back there. Yep. And this is a game where you could have been able to get after him. He was dealing with that opposite hand, uh, that middle finger. Uh, that he had an issue with and, and maybe could have had trouble gripping the ball. You get pressure in his face, maybe some errant throws, errant exchanges, holding on to the football, but we didn't see enough pressure. So that's something that the Bears have to do a better job. We know they can't get home with, with four. That's been evident. Got to dial up the blitz more. So, yes, Edwards. Yeah, but, like, came. why can't Yanni Kingakwe get to the quarterback? Like, I mean, this is a guy that has a – a resume. I mean, I see Gary keeps getting after Travis Smith, the D line coach and wants your, your opinion about him. I don't know how you evaluate a defensive line coach, I guess, other than the, the, what the stats are showing. But to me, like Yannick Ngakwe had a proven track record of being able to get to the quarterback. Why can't he, I mean, is he, is it as simple as he's getting double teamed every time? Cause it cannot be just that. So I think sometimes he, the protection is sliding to him, but I don't think he's a guy 
that commands that much respect, you know, like a Miles Garrett or something of that nature. So Khalil Mack, he, he, yeah, he, or Khalil Mack, he he hasn't dominated the game this year at all to prove otherwise, right? He he has shown in the past that he can do that. I just don't think we've seen him win enough. He had one good game this season, but we're not seeing enough of that consistent pass rush for them. Uh, the games haven't been working for them. They're trying to just do straight rush and for a team that is lacking some talent and, and to be brutally honest, right. They are lacking some talent at the defensive line position. That's something that I've talked about that polls the past two years really hasn't addressed that defensive line position the way it needs to be right. To be a championship caliber team, to be a team that's in every game starts with the defensive line and out of all the positions, right. I think we could agree that the defensive line is, is probably the worst on the team, right. As far as production, what they've been able to do. So I, I think, you know, Travis Smith, people are talking about him, you know, he's a terrible coach, but I think there is a talent deficit at the defensive line position. I think that's just completely honest. I think they're doing better in rush defense as a whole, but as a whole defensive line, it's been so up and down, right? In rush defense, pass rushing, it's it's been minimal. They had one good game against uh, the commanders. That's when they they actually started to come home a little bit that rushing cover. Yes, it was some covered sacks, but they were able to generate pressure and work together. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's, you know, that's why when people talk about, you know, what's going to go on this off season and, and the draft, I'm like, you, you have to address the line position. You, you absolutely have to, because this is evident week in and week out what the weakest spot on this team is. And, you know, the offensive line is improved. I thought they did a pretty good job in that game, to be honest. With you. I thought they did a great job against, two really good pass rushers Yep. and, you know, having Tevin Jenkins back is huge. Uh, Darnell Wright did a pretty great job. Um, and, Larry playing, and, held up Darnell, well. and Darnell Wright was playing hurt too. Exactly. So, you know, I know people have been up and down about how he's performed, but I, I, I still, love I, don't, I don't know why Darnell Wright, yeah. I think has been, a, you know, a bright spot this year. I, and I mean, back to back only... weeks, right. Against, against three really talented pass rushers, right. Uh, um, Max Crosby, Khalil, uh, Khalil Mack, and Joey Bosa, right? Yep. Did a pretty good job on all three of those guys. So, you know, especially uh, San Diego, they're going to rotate which sides they go to. So he was going against both of those guys uh, last night. He's, he's, done a, he's done a great job. I, I like the way he's been playing. He's athletic. He's been really good in the pass rush lately, the past couple games. So I like where he's at, right? He's getting better in the run game. And it takes some time, but I really like where he's at at this point. You know, I think I think it's definitely a bright spot for this team, but defensively, Braggs, it, it's it's tough to watch when you know Herbert, uh, Brian Hoyer, whoever's the quarterbacks back there, just patting and and having all day, right? It's hard for the linebacking core and the secondary when they have all day, right? The yep. whole the whole point of a Tampa two is rushing cover. There's not much rush now, so what do we have to do? Take one of the coverage people and bring a guy like Edwards in there uh, on on the pass rush. So it's kind of you have this Tampa too, but it's not working as designed. So there's a lot of needs that need to be filled. But I think at the point, the time being in the season, you got to dial up the blitz. That's all you can do at this point. Tighten the coverage a little bit and, and bring pressure or else teams are going to carve you left and right. Um, the, one of the things that really hasn't made a lot of sense to me is when, okay, Ryan Poles has certainly shown you know, um, where he's really trying to key in on drafting secondary, right? He's drafted Jaquan Brisker, Kyler Gordon, uh, you know, this year, Tyreek Stevenson, 
uh, Terrell Smith, you know, the cornerback later in the draft, even a safety in the seventh round. And he's really showing how much he's looking at that secondary. But to me, and this is just a very, you know, average fan in the stands perspective as far as understanding the game, at least in comparison to how you understand the game. But I could clearly tell you at camp that if you ask me what the secondary's best, you know, asset or best intangible is, is that they're physical. They can play man coverage. I've watched them play one-on-one reps and win because of their physicality and size and being able to get into the body of the receiver. So why are we drafting corners that are better in man coverage and then, but putting them in a system that really isn't about, I mean, they've started to transition to more man. And and this is a very simplistic question. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's more layers to it than I'm making it out to be, but Mm -hmm. like early in the season, they're just playing off their guys, playing off their guys. Now they're starting to play a little more man and you're seeing some more success from Tyreek Stevenson and Jalen Johnson. And it's just like, these guys don't really feel like they fit the per the personnel doesn't fit what the coaches want to do. Well, I think they've had to adjust the scheme, right? That's why you're seeing them play so far off early on. So I think they were like, Hey, we're not going to have the pass rush up to par. So we got to give him a little cushion, especially a guy like Stevenson, even in his first year, he's trying to figure things out. Um, that's, that's why you're seeing them back off, you know, at times, even now, right? Because if you don't have that rush, they're going to have all day out there. And it is hard to cover some of these talented receivers, a guy like Keenan Allen, um, you know, you go the week before Devonte Adams, it's hard when you have all day to cover those guys. So they're on an Island back there. So I get it why they're playing off. <sighs> But they almost have to play a hybrid. They can't play a, a true Tampa two this year. They just can't. They don't have the personnel for that. Let's let's just be completely honest. They don't have the personnel for that. So for me, if I'm them, I'm gonna tighten up the coverage a little bit. I'm gonna bring an extra defender or two, and I'm gonna take my chances on that point because too many quarterbacks are having all day out there to throw. And in this league, you can't do that. You can't leave you guys on an island. You know, in the off season. And free agency and the draft, that's where you have to address these, these, the defensive line. You really do. So that's why people are getting, getting on, oh, well, you need to do this or that. Braggs, I think it's been evident more than ever what, what the true need is on this team, right, going forward to, to really solidify things. Yes, offensively, you know, you could tweak things with, with the offensive line and, and who knows. But defensive line, I think, is the biggest need going, going into this offseason. And it, it's been evident. So yep. Yep, I agree. hopefully, hopefully they can do that because they're not even allowing these guys like Stevenson is a physical guy, right? He likes contact. He's aggressive. Um, and he hasn't even been able to play the way that this system is designed because of the glaring, the glaring holes at defensive line. Yeah. And, you know, I think they did run across a string of bad luck when it comes to the secondary injuries this year, because it's, it's been bad. I mean, there was a point where you had, Jaquan Brisker, Eddie Jackson, Kyler Gordon, Jalen Johnson, Josh Blackwell, they're all hurt, you know, and it's like, that that's not easy. I don't think any team could overcome that many injuries to one unit of their, you know, team, uh, especially the secondary. And then to not have a pass rush to, to, to boot, that makes it even harder. That being said, last year, it felt like this team was fighting a lot more, uh, even against the top tier quarterbacks. They ultimately wouldn't get the win. And, 
they'd fall short. And, and it's been said a lot here in the last week. And Shane Marsaw said it last Monday night when he, he stepped in as a, as a guest, you know, he pointed out, well, yeah, the, the bears have beaten a few teams here before last week, they won two or three games, but it was like, look at the quarterbacks. They were, you know, Brian Hoyer, Sam Howell, and then even dating back to last year, Mac Jones and, uh, you know, um, Davis Mills and Trey Lance, certainly nobody that has a proven resume in this league. And then you saw what happened last night. You saw what happened against Patrick Mahomes, but last year they played Jalen hurts. They played Josh Allen at the end of the year when they easily could have just been playing out the string as a team. And it never felt like at any point they let go of the rope as a team as players. When they play Miami. Yeah. Tua. It never felt like they let go of the rope. Like it has a few times this year. And to me, I, I don't understand why they added some players. <laughs> they should be better. And I know we've kind of gone over it here in the last 15 minutes, but is there any excuse that Matt Eberflus can cling to, to sell to the organization, why they've, they are worse specifically just on defense than they are last year. No, uh, there, there, there's no reason. I feel like they've improved. Uh, they got Billings. Uh, Justin Jones has been pr- playing pretty decent in, in the rush defense. Yes, the pass rush is not there. But on paper, they are a better team defensively. They're a better team offensively for sure. And we just haven't seen the results. Like I, I thought better like last year, right, when they figured things out with Justin Fields and Luke Getzey and him were on the same page. The offense, yeah, they weren't putting up crazy numbers, but they were coming down to the wire in every game, that Minnesota game. Like we talked about Philly, they took down to the wire, uh, Miami. So they were consistent and playing better football as a whole. Even the defense with with the lack of talent were still playing better than they are right now. So I think that definitely comes down to coaching. It, it 100% does. And I, I don't I don't know what we've seen about Eberflus that, that says he's going to be here uh, next year. Unless they have some miracul- miraculous turnaround, I don't <laughs> see that happening. Um just because, like, you know, when people were talking about uh, the, the game and the predictions and people were like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, Woot says this because Justin Fields is, is not playing. It doesn't matter what quarterback's in there. I, I have no faith in the team right now just because of their play calling, right? You look at what, even what Getsy did last night, right, for a younger quarterback on a primetime stage playing in a way stadium, he left them out to dry there, right? You didn't rely on your running game enough. You put too much pressure on them. And he threw two picks, probably should have threw another one that got dropped. But, I mean, in in a game where he's coming off with some confidence, you had the perfect game plan for him, right? Hand the ball off to Foreman, right? You had Rojan Johnson back this week. Let's work two of these guys. All of a sudden, let's work the play action. But, no, let's get pass happy, right? Even in the first half when we're down a little bit, let's get pass happy. Let's abandon our game plan when we still have another half of football. That's what I don't understand with with Luke Getzey. At times he does it, like when you look at the Denver game, right? You look at last week, you look at the Commanders game. Everything kind of came to fruition that we were talking about. We're like, okay, this is the Bears team that we thought they could be. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, he had the same thing like last year, right? First four games, didn't play well, didn't game plan well. And all of a sudden he figured it out. But he figured it out, and then all of a sudden we go we go back two steps to go yep. forward one step, to go back two steps. I just don't under understand – why the inconsistency in the play calling that is my 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 biggest problem with what he's doing 
Yep. You have a young quarterback, whether that's Bajent, whether that's Justin Fields, and they're trying to get confidence and all this, and then you're leaving them out to dry sometimes. So that's that's where um, I have a disconnect. I don't think the staff's going to be here next year. I mean, I think everybody kind of sees the writing on the wall. E- even even if they turn things around, I just think they haven't shown enough to justify these past two years why they need to stay. Yeah, I don't blame you for feeling that way, and I and I'm inclined to agree. I you know I I was pretty much done with these guys after week two. Uh, you know, because you, like you could say, like for me, like I had this big rant and everybody was like, yeah, it wasn't just the fact that I was upset about the coaching decisions when they lost to Tampa, a winnable game that they looked, they, they embarrassed themselves in the thing that really just washed over me was like, man, they're not going to figure this out. They, they, cause like at some point you got to show your hand as what you understand as a football coach and I could, okay. As embarrassing as the green Bay loss was, I could have swallowed that pill. If you came the next week with an understanding of what you did wrong and you just went and did the exact same thing again. And it took them how many weeks to, and it took Justin Fields to have, you know, this call out in the media and, and talk about how he is too much information, too much data. I, yeah, I got to play my game. I'm done doing this. You know, we got to do this kind of thing. And then gets, he finally adjusts. They put some points on the board, trying to cater to what Justin would prefer to run. And maybe not what Luke gets, prefers to run. And that's my biggest gripe about this coaching staff two years in a row, it's taken way too long to adjust to whatever the strengths of your team is on offense. Way too long, five, six weeks. I mean, this year it's taken away from the quarterback position. How many weeks did it take them to learn to adjust to the tush push on fourth and short? It took them four weeks to get to that play when the rest of the NFL is doing it. And like, that's a simple thing that has nothing to do with the quarterback. Uh, and then the defensively, we've talked about it all season long leading up to this point. It was any average fan could tell you they needed to dial up the blitz more. And it took them five weeks to do that. And, and now, you know, you're just holding on for dear life. You know, you're treading water on this sinking ship. And no, did I, I go even going into the season, did I expect them to win this game? No. So I'm not surprised by the outcome, but that's where you haven't built up the equity for us to not have hellfire and brimstone for you tonight, because you lost to Denver, you lost to Tampa, you lost to green Bay when you shouldn't, you know, a better coaching staff could have scratched and clawed their way to a win in those games. And maybe your record's a little better than your team actually is. That's what a good coaching staff would do. Instead, we have a flawed roster with bad coaches, and that equals the record we have right now. Yeah, it, it, it's true. It, it's it just baffles me that that you see the teams uh, that do well most of the time, un- unless they have a, a proven quarterback, right? A guy like Patrick Mahomes, a guy like Justin Herbert, you know, a guy like Josh Allen, all 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 the, all the greats, right? The top five, top ten quarterbacks. Um, the, the other guy's script for success, right? You look at a guy like like Jared Goff, right? Is is he the most talented quarterback in the league? No. No. But what they're doing is putting him in a position to succeed, right? They're they're catering to his strengths. Let's work the run game. Let's work the play action. Let's work some quick throws. Let's get his confidence up. And what have they been? A pretty consistent team th- these past two years, and especially towards the end of the season, like the stretch of six to seven, the last games of the season, 
they were arguably one of the most consistent teams in the league. And, and that's how you build a recipe for success. You look at what Philly does on a weekly basis with Jalen Hurts. Um, yes, he's talented, but they get the best out of him, right? They, they script for what he does well, and it takes the pressure off him and allows him to play the way he is capable of, just similar to what they did in the Denver game and the Washington Commanders game, where they allowed Justin Fields to highlight his strengths, let the game take over. And that's what every good coach does. That's what Andy Reid has done when Alex Smith was there came there from a, being a game manager from San Francisco. And that's what he did, uh, you know, with Patrick Mahomes. And that's what you're seeing. A lot of these good coaching staffs is, is they're catering for what these guys do well. And then all of a sudden, when you get their confidence up, you can kind of manipulate the game plan to, to whatever you want. Right. But that's the key, especially with young quarterbacks is getting their confidence up. And Luke Getze, I just don't understand because you showed last year that you did it the second half of the season. You, you had Justin Fields playing well. You had him running. You had him making plays. You had him looking comfortable. And in those two games this season, you did. And then all of a sudden, you went backwards. You had Bajan looking good. Then you went backwards. So I just don't understand why you can't. You, you've seen the recipe. You've seen it work. You've seen it result in a dub. And now all of a sudden, you're, 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 you're trying to go out there and do whatever you want to do, as opposed to what works best for this team. The game was not out of hand in the first half. Yes, were they up? Of course, but you can still work your game plan. Then you get some stops here and there. You don't have to air it out. I, I thought that was too much pressure on a guy like Bajan, who's who's young on a big stage trying to figure things out. Well, you know what it is too with Getsy. It's like, does he understand play design and play calls? Yeah. I mean, he's been in the league long enough that he should understand it better than any of us or, or, or any of us in the chat that try to act like we know better. He understands it, but I think the disconnect is, understanding what your players are capable of like week one and week two are a perfect example. Chase Claypool isn't a great blocker on the edge. And he showed that week one, you probably should have benched him for his effort alone. Instead. You don't week two comes around. He still isn't blocking. Well, he's giving effort and still doesn't know technique wise what he's doing. Correct. And then at the end of the game, when the game's on the line, you're in a two minute drill. You're starting at your 10 yard line. He's going down the field and blocking ahead before the pass goes. And now he's getting a flag. Well, you're putting chase Claypool in that position. You had Equinamius St. Brown inactive who under understands that role better than chase Claypool. So you're asking a player to do something that he's going to fail at last night. Adam Hogue pointed it out. The jet sweep on second down to start the game. You get one big play to Mooney. The next play is a jet sweep. And you're going to right at Bosa against Larry Borum, who's had his struggles here lately. You know, if you want to call that play, fine, run it to a side where you have Darnell Wright, who's shown he can lay a block for you, you know? And so that's where it's like, okay, design might make sense, but take into account the players you're asking to do what you're trying to do, you know, and, and, and Justin Fields, uh, before he got hurt in the Minnesota game. Is it his fault that Justin didn't let go of the ball? No, Justin's got to let go of the ball on first down to the right side. He calls block right. He understands the protection's going right. He understands the guy, the man is coming free on the, on the left edge, on the left side. He doesn't let it out. Boom, sack. But you, it, you should know, Luke Getze, that he's 
Justin has struggled with that at times. So give him a play call that he doesn't struggle with on the first play of the game. Get him comfortable, get him going, then start to try to stretch your legs. So I just think that's also a part of the disconnect is understanding what your personnel is capable of in the moment. And I think too often we've seen this a million times in this city from Getsy to Nagy all the way back to Mike March trying to run seven step drops and Jay Cutler's getting his head torn off. And he's, he's saying on the, on the mic, on the hot mic on Monday night football, tell Mike March, fuck you. I'm not getting my head buried in the ground again, you know? And that's because Mike March didn't understand in that moment that he didn't have the St. Louis Rams uh, personnel. He didn't have Orlando Pace back there. I'll right. tell you that. It makes things right. a lot easier when he's there. Exactly. <laughs> so, And I just think sometimes offensive coordinators, they just can't see past that in the moment. They're like, no, I know the design of this play works. Run it. And they're like, we can't run it. You know? Ego, ego, right? It's one of the worst things in life in general and especially in the game of football. Coaches have an ego, players have an ego, and all the time they try to say, oh, well, this is what works. This is what works for this person, that person. It's a case-by-case basis. That's why the Patriots have always done well when Tom Brady has has been out. Obviously, they didn't put up the same numbers to Tom Brady, but they found ways to win games because they scripted for success for those guys. I just just don't understand it, especially Getsy, right, when I look at that uh, Minnesota game, right, when when Beijing came in and – you know, he looked pretty good in that first drive. And Brian Flores had been bringing the house up the, the pick that Bajan threw late, right? You know in that personnel that they're bringing the house. You, you know, everybody knows. The whole stadium knows it. Why not call something different? Why not call a screen in that situation, right? When they're bringing the house, you, you could potentially get a first down or a touchdown on that play. They brought everybody. They brought eight, nine defenders. Yep. Why not screen them? Why, why not hot route? Why not something like that? That that's what I'm trying to figure out. So it's 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 just so inconsistent and play callers in the league week in and week out, they do the same thing, and and that's why they don't stick around. I think too many guys are are riding the coattails of whatever head coach is calling plays. Matt Nagy that happened with him. He got the credit for being the offensive coordinator, even though that was Andy Reid's show. Luke Getzey, Nathaniel Hackett, right guys like that. You know, I know Mike McDaniel, right? He, it was Kyle Hanna, Shanahan show. I know he had an input in it, but I'm just saying, like, he's a guy that showed that I can do this beyond somebody else. So it's hard. It's You got to take a chance on somebody, and sometimes it pays off, and sometimes it doesn't. So in, in this case, it doesn't seem like it's working. He has the potential. He just gets, he gets stubborn at times. Right, there's no reason they should they should have more passes than runs. No yeah. way. Like, and I understand Beijing gets the ball out quick and this, but you're putting too much pressure on a young guy. And and it's a situation. It didn't matter who the quarterback was. I was even if Justin Fields was a quarterback, I'm picking them to lose because Braggs, they've been the most inconsistent team in football. Right? Even Denver's playing better than they are right now. You know, Denver, they, they had a big win against Kansas City yesterday. And things are starting to come together. Russell Wilson's playing better. Sean Payton and him are finally starting to get on the same page. It's just frustrating because this should be a situation where Getsy should be a way better play caller. Justin Fields should be way further along than he is right now. 
it's just very frustrating because I feel like it's it's been too inconsistent last seasons, right? Last year was better, but still wasn't to the potential. And then this year you thought, oh, we're going to make the next step. Justin Fields, guests are going to be on the same page. They're going to be dynamic together. And then we see two games and then the drop off. So that's the most frustrating part about it because after the season, they have to make a decision. Yep. And I, I, I think I know which way the decision is going to be made because they're going to say, well, we haven't seen enough from him uh, unless unless he goes, he, he, he lights the league up to whenever he gets back. Yeah, I, I think, well, you have that scenario. I mean, so right now he's not going to, Matty Refluce announced today that he's not going to play this Sunday coming against New Orleans. So now you only have eight games left after that. But after the new Orleans game, it's a quick turnaround for Thursday night football against the Panthers. So I think it's a very real possibility that Justin Fields also misses that game unless Mm -hmm. he's like really close right now. And they're prepping him for that Thursday game, you know, and just going to get him into game mode starting Thursday and have him on a separate, you know, scale than the rest of the team who has to play a game on Sunday, maybe, but more than likely they'll let Justin, go past the Thursday night game. So now you only have seven games left with Justin Fields to, you know, evaluate. Yeah. Evaluate. And, you know, we don't know how Ryan Poles feels, but if you think he's out on him, then prove, you know, get him to think about it a little more, which is not enough time, you know, especially when you have a hurt thumb. So I think it's the writing is on the wall. And I think that's where you're feeling the panic from the fan base because we all myself included assumed we were going to go into this year and and Justin Fields was going to take another big step. And I could have accepted, you know, I predicted them to win nine games, but if they had only won six, but fields took a, a a really good step forward in his development, I would have been able to eat that, but to, to be as bad as they are and be back to square one at quarterback, you know, that that's a tough pill to swallow for bears fans. And, and you're feeling that bears fans are at each other's throats right now, uh, both ways from Sunday and it sucks, but it's just a reality of where we're at. It's very frustrating because we had talked about this earlier. They were so much more competitive last year against really good football teams where, where they lost by three points, seven points. And this year there's been too many blowouts when they played Kansas city, the game was over in the first half ridiculous blowout Taylor Swift's getting more action than the any Packers, of the players. Packers game ended up being a blowout Packers game was, that, was that, a blowout. That one. I mean it was it was close at halftime and what are the, the Packers way they now? get their I, ass well that's what I'm saying not like a very Chiefs, good football team. the Chiefs and Chargers games I can accept because the Chiefs are going to blow a lot of teams out especially a, a flawed team like the Bears the Chargers yeah. game last night I can accept to expect Tyson Bajant to keep up in a shootout with Justin Herbert on the road is a tall order tall task to order for a D two rookie undrafted free agent quarterback. I can accept that. What I can't accept is to get your ass whooped week one against green Bay, knowing now how pitiful they are, you know, to lose in Tampa Bay, the way you did not that you lost the way you lost when it could have been avoided the way you lost to Denver embarrassing. That's the shit I cannot accept. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I think in general, I think most teams, unless you have, and, and even if you have a proven guy, I think they need more reps in the preseason. And I know guys I agree. are against it, 
But I think that's what you're starting to see. When I played Braggs, there was four preseason games, right? The first game, starters had a series of two. Second game, maybe two to three series, if that, at least two series. Third game was all first half, right? Basically the dress rehearsal before the regular season. And the fourth game was was all all the on the bubble guys or, or practice squad guys that would go out there so they can have a bunch of film. And I feel like there was a much better product early on in the season than there is now, right? There's only two preseason games. And you just don't see you, – you see you see week in and week out now since they've changed that whole schedule that even the best teams are struggling to get things going, right? Their, their offensive production isn't what matched how they finished the season. And I know it's the first game, but I think guys just generally are not in great shape because of the preseason. There's a difference between being in good shape and being in game shape. And I think yep. a lot of people truly aren't ready for that, especially think about it, offensive linemen. They have to play every snap, right? Defensive linemen were rotating, but even receivers, defensive backs, I, I think there is a level of football shape that just playing gets you in. And yes, practice is good, but it's not realistic, right? You're doing you're doing five plays at a time and then you get off the field. So think about it. If there's a long drive, you could potentially get 15 to 18 plays in a series, right? If you're if you're a starter. DBs don't come out, right? Us defensive linemen, we do. So it's a whole, a whole different thing. And I think I wish they would play a little bit more in the preseason. I, I, I wish they would. And and what he's saying right here, dude, yes, we do have enough talent. This is a play-calling coaching issue. It, it 100% is. There, We are a better team than last year, Braggs. I think everybody can agree with that, right? So why are, are we playing worse than last year? And I agree with you. They had more fight. They had more dog in them last year to stay in the game against some really good teams. I just don't see the fight there. I, I, I don't know if he has the locker room. I, I'm being completely honest with you. It doesn't yeah. seem like it. Yeah, I, I don't. I think he's I think they've lost it as well. You know, it's easy to buy in when it's the first year, you know, and, and you, you're you're trying to believe in a system because it's only going to help your your money. You know, if you, not buying into a first year head coach isn't going to help your cause, you know, and, and to me, it's, uh, yeah, I just don't think they, I think it's gotten to a point where they're starting to feel the writing on the wall. So it, it's, you know, now it's about these last eight games will really be a test for these players and coaches because, you know, I already, I just put on Twitter cause you know, I was the tank commander at the end of last year. I want, I was a, as a diehard Chicago bears fan, wear my heart on my sleeve for this team and have, uh, for a long time, um, I was vehemently rooting for the bears to lose their last eight games last year, because I wanted that number one pick for the trade back and everything that came with it after the fact. And it's the same dance again. Now I'm back in, you know, it's like, <laughs> I, I had they won, you know, they won last week. So I was like, all right, I'm hanging by a thread here. Maybe they can get back into contention. You see what happened with Minnesota losing Kirk cousins for the year might be able to get back. You know, I can always conjure up the, the crazy ideas of how my shit team can get back into the race, but I just don't see it anymore. Especially now that it looks like, Fields is going to be out this game and, and potentially the next two games, you know, and to me, yeah, we're right back in tank mode. We're hoping the Panthers pick is a top pick. The bears pick is a top pick. There's nothing but good things that'll come from both those picks. I don't care if it's a quarterback or a left tackle or a wide receiver, however it shakes out. Harrison. Right. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, to have, 
the bears rarely have a pick in the top five. They always seem to be picking like 12 through 17 in my lifetime. And yes, they screwed the pooch when it came to Mitch Trubisky. And last year, you know, I think was a good thing for this franchise to trade back, get Darnell Wright, get DJ Moore, get a future first round pick. But this year would be unprecedented. The one silver lining, and I know everyone thinks it's like a loser's mentality to talk about the draft in the offseason, but what else do we have, Bears fans? Because it will be unprecedented if the Bears can have two top five picks in a year where you have two quarterback prospects that a lot of people are very high on, two left tackle prospects in Olu from Penn State and the left tackle from Notre Dame, who people are very high on, and Marvin Harrison Jr., who is, by all accounts, a wide receiver, can't miss elite type prospect with, you know, a lineage through his dad and a pedigree of talent that's high end. So it's a great year to have two first round picks, but I understand right now, nobody wants to look at the bright side and look at the silver linings to a bad situation. Question for for you and uh, for everyone listening as well, you can chime in on the chat. My thing is like this, if they go through another off season, where they address offense, 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 and leave the defensive line out to dry. How 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 mad would you be, and the fans at, at that point when you when you that's that, that would be three seasons, essentially where you didn't stack up the defensive line how you needed to. Yeah, but you can't force it. I mean, if there isn't, you got to tell me who it is in the top five that's worthy of that pick, like Jared Verse. You yeah, know, I'm not. I'm not even talking about draft. I'm talking about free agency okay. as well. Yeah, right? no, they absolutely have to address it. You know, I, I I just think it's like last year was bad timing. Like, had they had two first round picks last year, you'd probably have both Jalen Carter and Darnell Wright on this team, and that would have worked out pretty nicely for the Bears. <laughs> right. But unfortunately, you only had one pick. You know, could you have signed somebody in free agency? Yes, but I need the name of who, who was going to come out. That's a top pass rusher. That's going to wreck an offensive line for us in a game. Like who are these game wreckers that we can get? You know, of course that's who we want, but like, where are they available to us? Like I was high on the D tackle from Pittsburgh. Uh, I don't even really know what he's doing. Oh, right. Kalaja Kansi, right? Yeah, Kansi, right. You yeah, sold I think me he's on been banged up. Yeah, I think he's been banged up. This right. Year, so so. I, I was I was of the mindset, even once we traded back to 10, I was like, let's trade back again to 17 and add another first round pick and, and draft Cansey. Would Cansey be solving our problems right now? Probably not. You need more than just that. So, yeah, they need to address defensive line. I think they know that as much as anyone. But I think Jalen Carter would have. <laughs> Jalen Carter definitely would have. But we talked about this last night in the postgame yeah. show, and I'm like, I'm I'm sick of hearing the revisionist history from people about, you know, Darnell Wright versus Jalen Carter. No, 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 no. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I know you were a big Darnell Wright guy. Oh, so, I'm, yeah. I'm still, I'm still happy with the pick. Right. What, what, what I'm saying is um, for, for me, I really loved Kalijah Kansi because of his motor, how he played Jalen Carter. I was kind of worried about his motor and all that. And I, I think he's in the best situation he could have been right Two two of his former teammates in Jordan Davis, Nolan Smith, He's got Brandon Graham. He's got Fletcher Cox. Uh, he's got Sweat. He's got um, Whiteside. All guys that that are veteran guys that are talented that have, that have been in the league that are good mentors for him. So I think he's in the best situation he could be. 
right? If you're talking about the perfect nucleus for him, right, right there. Well, and and you know, James Jasmine says need a good three technique pulls pass on a couple, and I think the second person he's referring to is Keanu Benton, right? That's, that's somebody Wisconsin. that 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 was somebody like you know. I know you met Jervon Dexter, right? Seems yep. like an awesome guy, right? Talent, really nice guy. Strong, quick, all that, right? But Benton was a guy that I thought right away could, could make an impact, right? Another guy, Carl Brooks, who's playing for the Packers, that has a couple sacks this year as a D-tackle. He's a guy that I thought could come in in that third round and play and really make his mark in there. So there was a couple guys that I thought that should have been picked over, over who he picked. Not to say that Dexter or Pickens isn't going to be a great pick a year from now, two years from now. But the need was essentially right now. It, was, it wasn't based off, okay, potential a couple of years. We don't have an established enough D-line to say, yeah, we can draft guys and wait a couple of years. They right. needed guys that were that were ready from the jump to be big contributors. And, and that was my issue with it. Well, let's talk about the rookies now that we've gotten through some of the veterans and the overall big picture of, of this defense. You know, um, Jervon Dexter got hurt at the end of the game. Let's hope he's okay. Gary can give an update in the chat because I'm not sure how he's doing. And then Zach Pickens had the forced fumble. Uh, Dexter certainly seems like in the last few games, last handful of games, he's starting to figure it out a little bit. Uh, still, you know, raw as far as, you know, some of his ability. But you can see the potential there. Are you more encouraged now from these two rookies here now that they're starting to get their feet wet in the NFL? You know, we're definitely seeing some progress, but I, I, I guess the, there's not as much of an impact as you would like to see, especially being that we need people right now, right? We, we need guys that, that, can, that can perform, that can pass rush, that can make an impact. We're, see, we're seeing some progress, but to the point being that there were – yeah, it's it, it's it's tough, Rags, because this is a tough year, and there's there's a lot of pressure put on them to step up when I don't think they were ready. I think if they were on any other team, they'd be guys that maybe sit and develop a little bit, learn behind some other guys, and uh, maybe maybe use this as a redshirt year to just get better and understand. Yeah, the scheme. small rotational spots. It, 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 exactly, but with Dexter, right? This is learning a whole new scheme, and and anyone that says, "Oh, yeah, you can translate right away." It's, it's tough when you've been taught. So like my first couple of years of college, we ran a read and react scheme playing a four, three scheme, which is like unheard of, right? Like for, for standard defensive ends and tackles to, to read and react, play it like a three, four scheme is, is the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life. And then we had a coach, Mike Hankowitz that came my junior year and all of us, like we're used to playing that in high school where you just get off the ball, kind of like similar to a Tampa two, just get off the ball. Penetration kills everything. And so we got into that and trusted it. It was like a different team. But I think half the battle is people trusting that technique because they think what you're taught as a defensive lineman is if you're out of your gap, regardless if you get penetration or not, you're in the wrong. But this scheme was so great about the Tampa too, and I think it's, it's a defensive lineman's dream, is the fact that you get off and you penetrate, that creates your gap. So listen, I could get reached, but if I'm in the backfield causing penetration, I'm getting to the running back. I'm disrupting where he's going to go. I'm either going to make a tackle for loss or he's going to have to cut back or or change change his pattern. And that's the great part about a Tampa, too, that people have trouble trusting. It's, it's just what we were ingrained from the time we were a kid. If you're out of your gap, you're wrong. But no, the thing is your penetration creates your gap. And regardless if you're reached or not, that penetration kills everything, right? So pullers that come, right? If I'm a three technique, 
and there, there's a, a center pulling, all of a sudden I penetrate and I knock off that puller, all of a sudden that linebacker's free. So that's how this scheme works, right? When we had Tommy Harris, we had Henry Melton, um, when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers ran the scheme of Warren Sapp, that was what they did. The, Booger McFarland as well. You penetrate and that kills everything. So that's what we're seeing with the young guys. Dexter, right, he's still not trusting it. Pickens has been a little bit better, but you have to trust the scheme because it, it goes against everything you're taught. But when you do it, Braggs, I'm telling you, it makes everything that much easier, right? Because play action pass. Oh no! What are you saying? I, it's just really interesting, like what you, yeah. you're now. You're getting deep into the the defensive oh, yeah. line so, woods so, here, so and for, I think for, you're educating a lot of Bears fans, yeah. including myself, right now. So, so I think the thing is, right when when you work play action, right, pl hard play action, right. It's when if you're if you're a defensive lineman, right, the offensive lineman acts like he's run blocking, right. So he he tries to jump set you essentially. So so think about this, right. If you're if you're reading and reacting, think about how much harder that is to transition to a pass rush, right? So if I'm reacting to what he's doing, all of a sudden he latches on me. And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I have to shed him. I have to get him off me when he's got his hands latched off. And then you move to the, to the end position, right? And you're going against the tackle. You have a little bit of space. So all of a sudden, if you get off the ball screaming and you see that he's trying to, you know, grab you like that, all of a sudden you can knock their hands down. You could be able to make an inside move on them. There's so many things you can do off that. So the reaction is that much better when you're getting off the football, right? If you're reacting, you're slower to that. That's easier for them to latch onto you. So that's why the Tampa Tampa two, in my opinion, is the best scheme if you trust the get off because it's going to make play action pass that much easier to get home on a rush. It's going to make the run game that much better. So there's a lot of good features about it. They just don't have the personnel that are trusting it because the number one thing I look at uh, when I watch the games is the get off of the defensive line, right? And what I see is get off the ball very slow this year, last year as well. You know, we haven't seen consistent get off since Robert Quinn had that breakout year. Khalil Mack, when he's back there, we have Akeem Hicks, guys like that. We haven't seen the consistent get off. So if they can trust it, and I'm hoping next year they bring in some dudes at three technique, at defensive yep. end, if they can do that, Braggs, it's, it is a lineman's dream. Like literally, literally play action, uh, hard play action can turn into sacks in the scheme. Which which most teams don't do. So you're talking about the Tampa two from a defensive lineman's perspective and how it it really can uh, be a great benefit to what you're trying to do. Is it a sustainable thing for a secondary? Is yeah. is can the Tampa two survive in the NFL now? Because you're talking about defenses that it worked for in the early 2000s, the Lovey defenses, mm -hmm. the Tampa defense. Yeah. But those teams also were riddled with future Hall of Famers, too. So I guess what I'm asking is, can the Tampa 2 still survive in today's NFL? And it, and and you talked about the benefits from the defensive line, but how how does that work in the benefit for the secondary? So so when the when the rush is there, the get off is there. It's rushing cover. That that's what that's what uh, Lovey Smith, Rod Marinelli always preached on, right? Rushing cover. We work together. And that's why in that 2012 season, we were so successful because of that rushing cover. Without the rush, there is no cover. And that, that's what we're seeing right now, right? They're not working together. So I think it is sustainable, but you have to have a dominant defensive line. I look at what San Francisco has, what Philly has. That's kind of the recipe to win games, right? Because your coverage looks that much better. Because think about it. How hard is it as a quarterback to throw the ball when you have a, a rush 
breathing down your neck. It is very hard, right? It, it, it is extremely hard. So I think that's what we're seeing with the teams that are very talented and the teams that aren't doing well. I mean, there's usually a correlation, Braggs. It, it's kind of hard to play defense and, and be a top 10 defense without a dominant defensive line. It, it really is. I, I believe you can play dominant defense with 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 a average secondary and a dominant defensive line because I think it makes their job that much easier. I think the, the opposite, like what we're seeing now, it's not working. Right. So the, the rush is way more important. Why do you why do you think they pay pass rushers so much? Right. Pass rushers are premium in this day. Think about think about what six sacks will get you paid now. Six sacks will get you paid 15 million a year. Yep. Because it's so, a trickle down effect. And then not balls getting out faster. Secondary's got an opportunity to jump all over it. We got a, a funny um in the um Chuck Fee says in the chat, no rush and cover your eyes instead of rush and cover. <laughs> no rush and cover your yeah, eyes. So that's what we see sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, another thing everybody should be seeing is checking out our guys over at DraftKings. Uh, who are the pretenders and who are the contenders? We're more than halfway through the NFL season. Uh, I don't want to tell you what we think the Bears are at this point, but DraftKings Sportsbook is still pumping out unbeatable offers every single game. New customers can bet just five bucks on anything to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. If you were following me, I said anytime touchdown for Tyson Bajan last night that that uh, cashed in at the very end of the game. So, yes, I am a genius. And uh, DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Uh, get in line. Get in on the NFL action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use the code CHGO. New customers can bet just $5 on anything to get $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code CHGO. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 100 68 hours after issuance see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources i didn't say assurance i said issuance i finally got it right it took me a year i did it Corey. that's called learning <laughs> my friend um kentucky bears fam we're gonna fight through these super chats here and uh call it a night bulls right now down 85 86 with nine minutes and nine seconds left so got the bulls i think the blackhawks are on world series uh monday night football so we'll get through these super chats and then we'll we'll call it a night kentucky bears fan 1999 super chat every everyone can write the book on tyson bajan two games in and call him a career backup but three years and two coaches into Justin Fields, we still need more time to see if he's the guy. And he's got a crying face emoji. He's laughing. It's not funny, yeah. Kentucky Bears fan. <laughs> well, I, I, I think the thing when you when you talk about, yeah, I think fans overreact all the time, just like Beijing. Oh, like one bad game and all this. But I, I think the, I think the reality is what people don't want to don't want to realize or or accept 
is that if Justin Fields, if they put him on the trade block right now, there'd be a lot of teams that would be buying for him. I mean, that's just the honest. If, if Tyson Bajant was in there, wouldn't be the same. Maybe if he had more of a resume, he had more games to play, maybe. But I, I think there is there's a general interest. I think teams teams would love to have Justin Fields. I, I think that's fact. Like, um, I, I really do that, believe that. Yeah, it, it depends on, like, from the Bears' standpoint, I don't think they're trading him. I think if they are going to trade him, it'll be in the offseason once they know where their pick is. Yeah. Uh, I do think there's still an avenue that Justin Fields is uh, the quarterback next year for the bears. And that's if both picks their pick and the Panthers pick aren't number one or number two. Mm-hmm. And now you're moving away from those top two quarterbacks that everyone's so big on in Drake may and Caleb Williams. Now you're starting to get into a different situation as far as having to decide what you want to do as an organization. And you have Justin Fields with a fifth year option available to you. He's going into his fourth year next year. And if there isn't a quarterback good enough that makes sense as the option to replace Justin, mm-hmm. then you keep him. And now you can draft Olu Fashanu from Penn State mm-hmm. and Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, you know, and that that would that would be pretty beneficial. I, I there's no there's no bad answers to who they're going to draft in my opinion in the in that top end of the first round it's just going to be exciting. I think there's a bad answer I think if they go quarterback I think that's the wrong decision well I, I, th- I, th- I think you're I think you're trying to just replace the quarterback and say yeah we have all these holes we have all these issues and yeah it'll work out with this guy I really don't believe that well I don't I you can't guarantee it's going to work out if they replay, if they move on from Justin Fields and draft one of these quarterbacks, but they ultimately, in my opinion, have no choice unless Justin Fields in the last seven games can undeniably prove that he's the guy. And he already even like, I don't really know if there even is a threshold he can hit because he's always going to have the injury part of it that Ryan Poles has to consider as GM Mm -hmm. in this scenario, they have the number one or number two pick he could play really well the last seven games and polls could still say, well, look, man, I love you, but I don't know if you can stay healthy. I have this option here to reset the rookie clock. These guys are both talented prospects. I'm going to roll the dice with one of them. So I understand where you're, why you say that Corey. Uh, I, I don't think anyone is guaranteeing that either quarterback will definitely work out, but if they're, if they, I'm not going to blame them. If they choose to draft one of those quarterbacks, I, it, I want it to work out for Justin Fields, but I think logically it does make a lot of sense. If they end up with the number one or number two pick that they got to take one of those guys, you only get so many of those chances to be at the very top of a draft with quarterbacks like this. We've seen a lot of busts, but at the same time you move on from those guys like, yeah, it might be a mistake. You you trade Justin Fields and he ends up being great in Atlanta and, and Caleb Williams is a bust here. But that that cuts both ways. You can keep Justin Fields and it doesn't work out here. He continues to not develop at the, the level we want, gets hurt. There's always something derailing his progression. And, oh, oh there's Caleb Williams in Minnesota lighting up the league. You know, so I to me, they're going to have – if, if, if they have one of those top two picks, they're going to have no choice, but to take one of those guys. Interesting. Yeah, I know. I, I, I see that for sure. I just like, my thing is like this. I, I think, you know, you look at what San Francisco has done, how they built around their team, right? You look at what Philly is, how they built around the team. And I think 
I think that's just the recipe, Braggs. Like, uh, like my my thing is like this, right? Like, I I know I'm a I'm a big Justin Fields guy, and everyone, everyone I I think he has the talent. I think you know when 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 they game plan well, he, he does extremely well. I just think like this: you have potentially two more years with him. Why not? Why not build the team around all the areas that you need, right? Give give him another year or two. Address that defensive line. Get your left tackle of the future. You know, get another wide receiver potentially, right? That that could complement DJ Moore, and then you have a dominant defensive line, and see what the team can do, right? If yep. if, if at that point, you know, with with probably new coaches that are going to be there, a new offensive coordinator, um, if they can't get it done, if Justin Fields can't get it done, then you have to move on. But I but I think, well, and that's and that's the other aspect though too, Corey, is if they get a new coaching staff in here, the likelihood that they're going to want to start with a quarterback entering his fourth year with all these questions and, and, and a contract looming that the timing of that also doesn't work out. You, you, it, it'll surprise me if they find any coach, including Jim Harbaugh, who has a familiarity with Justin Fields from Michigan against Ohio state. If he comes in here and goes, yeah, all right, I got Justin Fields. We're going to draft other guys. I mean, maybe that could happen. I'm not ruling it out as a possibility, but I just yeah. think the timing of it makes it really tricky if we do indeed have a new head coach next year. Yeah, I, I mean, my, my thing is like this. Whoever is, is the head coach, you have to make sure the offensive coordinator situation is is legit for whoever the, the QB is. You have to. Yep. So, I don't know. I, I just I just think – I get it, man. I get it. The lines are where it's, where it needs to be. Like there is a reason why that the top two teams in the league are are defensive line heavy. You know for a reason. So that's how you win games. I, I like I, I go back to what what the Giants did when they when they beat Tom Brady. Right, Tom Brady's unbeatable except when you when the Giants play him because they're the defensive line. Yep. Like I, I just think people are missing the mark. They're thinking a quarterback is going to make a difference. Yes, a quarterback can make the difference, but the real difference is the offensive defensive lines, and yeah, I think that's I evident. I don't disagree, but you like let's just say and theoretically they draft Caleb Williams and then draft the left tackle from Penn State. You know, now you've got a two top t ten tackles on each end. Tevin well, Jenkins, Nate Davis. Line? I know we got a lot of holes, Corey. <laughs> we get but I'm saying, that's every that's every year there's a lot of holes. Yeah. And, and where do the holes where, where, where do we fill the holes defensively? It's well, just yeah. like overlooked every year. So that, that's the point. Of, that's brick, the point I'm brick, making. Brick by brick, this house is getting built very hey, slowly. Hey, but, but there's, there's been a lot of bricks over these past couple of years, and 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 not enough yeah. bricks filled on a defensive line position. Yeah, you're you're showing up as the general contractor, going, "Why the hell isn't this house built yet? What is going on here?" Exactly, like the front yeah. of the house, right? Is not the, the lines. They're not you're, built. You're the back of the out, house is built. You're coming out there, and these guys are on lunch break way too often, man. They're out taking yeah. a smoke break in their car, smoking a doobie yeah. or something. But 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 yeah, just just <laughs> just think about it, right? Like what uh what Kansas City has done, right? How how they built their teams, you know, for the most part, right? Uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's just, it's just tough because yeah, I always use the Alex Smith example because I think the coaching does matter, and I think that's the difference between a guy being successful and not. You know, I don't care who's in this scheme. If, if Justin Herbert was in this scheme, he'd be struggling because Luke Getzey does not have, know how to call stuff. And, and it's evident, right? Like, just just look at the difference in the games they've done well and the games they haven't. Right. And, what and is the, the common denominator? The play calling. Yep. No, there's no question uh, that coaching is certainly the biggest problem on this team to this point. And I totally understand the Alex Smith thing. 
Herb Howard in the chat earlier goes, how is Caleb Williams going to ha- help your pass rush? I get it. Detroit Lions have shown it. Um, trenches are are really helping them, you know, be the team they are now. Mm-hmm. They drafted Aiden Hutchinson uh, with the second pick a couple years or two years ago. So but again, Deckard. Right. But, but in either of those years, whether it was Sewell or Aiden Hutchinson, if they had had the number one pick and Caleb Williams was the quarterback coming out that year, would they have drafted Sewell or Aiden Hutchinson or would they have drafted the quarterback? Cause something tells me they would have taken the quarterback. Well, there, there's, there's two schools of thought, right? Like there, there's some teams that are like, I need the quarterback and it's other teams that I think, think more in, in, a, in a practical sense, like the trenches, like think, think about like Dan Campbell, him coming there, like trenches are everything. He's a former tight end, right? So he knows the importance of the trenches and, and building that. So I think that's kind of what the recipe was. Um, so it's it, it's just tough because there's some people that think they so so for example Brock Purdy right right not not a big name at all he's able to run that system why because Shanahan is a good game caller right I, I just think that's the common denominator is yep. is the play caller yep as my guy Coach T says uh, the 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 system has to be the star you know we all talk about a star quarterback but the system should be the star above the quarterback and that makes a lot of sense to me as well uh alejandro uh also saying can we at least be happy the lions didn't get group aiden hutchinson with jalen carter yes uh the bears will always be the team known as the team that passed on jalen carter but so did the lions and we don't have to deal with that one more super chat and then we're gonna head on out of here to Corey, i tried to keep it to a defensive focus show and then the super chat comes in talking about quarterback scenarios and we get all dialed up talking about the quarterbacks again. It's just an un- unavoidable conversation, but one that I do find very fascinating. And I'm definitely, you know, going to monitor how this is going to play out as the year goes on. But I'm not ruling out any possibilities. You have some people that have no belief in Justin Fields that don't want to consider anything about Justin being the future still here in Chicago. I'm not ruling that out. But I also am not ruling out the idea that we are going to potentially move on at the end of the year. And for some Fields fans, they don't want to hear that either. And I'm just not one of those people. I am thinking I'm considering all scenarios. Everything is on the table. at this. No, nah, you want to neglect the defensive line. That's what you want to do. Yeah. That's well, what you, you know, want to do. Corey, you know what? You guys on that D line, you know, it's a dime a dozen over there. So you guys just <laughs> figure it out. No, I'm kidding. Easy E one, three, four, $10 super chat. If you have two top five picks trade back, do not draft a quarterback until you build the lines, draft the Penn state left tackle and verse or the align ID tackle sign Chris Jones and the best veteran center and a new set staff. There's a lot of work to do, but you know what? Not out of the realm of possibility. The bears are going to have a lot of options here going into the off season with as much salary cap as they had last year, which was the most in the NFL, two first round picks. Uh, So they got a lot to work with. Uh, And then we'll see what happens here with the trade deadline looming tomorrow. Quickly, Corey, would you, sign Jalen Johnson before the trade deadline tomorrow, or if he can't meet you at a fair number, are you trading him for a second round pick? Oh, uh, that's, that's a good question. I mean, uh, I think he's talented enough to, to keep, um, but it's, it's all about like what, what polls is thinking. Like, um, like there's certain things that I thought he would do or not do. And, and he's kind of done the opposite. So, if, if I were them, 
I would probably sign Jalen Johnson. I would. Um, I, th- I think he's talented enough. I think with with the right defensive line, he really flourished in this game. I think Stevenson would too. I think it's just tough with with the way the lack of pass rush that any corner is going to be hard back there. So I, I think they just need a revamp defensive line, not yeah. QB situation. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm 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 a I'm a big I'm a big proponent of of lines win win championships, and I think that's been evident. Um, you know, for the teams that have done really well. Cliff Averill and them when they took out Peyton Manning, like uh, Von Miller, the Giants, both years. I think that's how you really win games. And it, and it's proof. It's even the Bears when they had Rex Grossman, right? They were this close to winning a Super Bowl with a quarterback that everyone could 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 make an argument for it wasn't that talented, right? Why were they able to do that? Their defense. Right. I think that's what brought them there. And obviously they had Devin Hester that made some big plays, but the defense brought them there. And I think I think the same thing is true. Like people could say, yes, the passing league and this is this. We need offense and all that. But defense really does win championships. I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. I love I it. I love it. And that's a great way to end the show. That's an hour and 10 minutes of as much defensive talk as we've done here on the CHGO Sports Channel, as we've done in months, Adam Hogue. So you called me out for uh, only focusing on the quarterbacks, and I did my best to focus solely on the defense with our guy, Corey Wooten, expert defensive line guy, expert Tampa two guy. Uh, I want to thank Herb Howard. He's been in the chat celebrity, you know, uh, beat reporter, one of the top beat guys, Herb Howard here from it's the bigs, who was also on here with CHGO bears every Monday with uh, Mark Carmen and Adam Hogue. He's saying he does not think they can get a two for Jalen Johnson by tomorrow. So it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out tomorrow at noon. Cole Komet joins us every Tuesday on CSU bears. He'll be with us once again on uh, tomorrow's afternoon show. And then we will always be keeping our eye out for any kind of breaking news as we get closer to the trade deadline. Uh, Please everyone that's uh, been tuning in here tonight. We appreciate your support. Always please hit that like button on the way out subscribe if you haven't already and uh we'll see you guys tomorrow and uh hopefully we uh get some more answers and and less questions about this team but i have a feeling it's going to be a long season so uh have a good night enjoy your basketball bulls still down one with five minutes to go uh enjoy your monday night football and everything else we'll talk to you tomorrow uh bear down ladies and gentlemen we all silly like the mayor 